0: hi and welcome to the thrive alcohol free podcast i'm dupay dupay with alcohol free well-being and transformational coach and the best-selling author of a cocktail of Carity, how to ditch drinking embody a joyful new identity and thrive alcohol free this podcast will show you that being alcohol free is not what the traditional narrative says and even though alcohol is so ingrained in our society that it is okay to give yourself permission to stop drinking if you want to and you do not have to wait until you hit rock bottom it is certainly not boring and i believe ditching drinking is just the start to living an extraordinary life By getting rid of this one thing, it allows the doors to open to endless possibilities and opportunities. Each week, we will have guests on who are at various stages of the alcohol-free journey, from those who are curious to those who have been alcohol-free for years. We will also have experts on talking about different topics relating to alcohol and beyond. Through these conversations, you will discover what it means to thrive alcohol-free enjoy hi and welcome to the latest episode of the thrive alcohol free podcast we're in the second week of february and i wonder if you had a good valentines day yesterday if you were celebrating valentines it's interesting isn't it because again with valentines day it's all about you know celebrating having a meal with some wine or some champagne and getting the roses and all of that and again you do feel like there is a drink thing involved as well. So if you were celebrating your first alcohol-free Valentine's, I hope it went well and I'd love to hear how you got on. It's great that we've got the alternatives, really. So any celebration or anything that you're doing, there's no need to go down the alcohol route if you choose not to. So it's really great that we have those options now. Okay, so I wanted to remind you that I am hosting the Finding Freedom Retreat in Bali at the end of July, and it would be amazing if you joined me. I'm really looking for women who are wanting to understand what thriving alcohol-free means to them, and to understand who they really are as well. And so the Finding Freedom Retreat but. I've designed is it's going to be amazing. And I do think if you've taken the amazing step of ditching drinking, it's really time now for you to fully claim the thriving life that you were always meant to enjoy. And so this is going to be a one-week Sunday to Sunday experience. And I am certain that you will have a highly immersive and transformative experience where you'll fully embody what it means to thrive alcohol-free. And The retreat will really merge self-discovery, personal empowerment with adventure and, of course, the Balinese culture. So if you're looking to step away from the everyday stresses of life and step into a new life or design the life that you really want to live and step into creativity, courage, joy and freedom, then I would encourage you to join. It's where well-being and transformation truly come together and The experience will no doubt be part of you forever. And I know that you'll go home transformed and nourished with full clarity of how to fully step into your purpose to design the life you've always wanted. So, again, I'm exclusively inviting you to join the Finding Freedom Bali retreat. And it's, it's really for you if you're alcohol free or you've taken a significant break from alcohol and are looking for authentic connections with other alcohol-free women. It's also for you if you're looking to explore what thriving alcohol-free truly means to you. And if you're excited to experience being outside your comfort zone and ready to immerse yourself in a journey of discovering the unique you and the way you're going to discover the unique you will first start off with really understanding your human design. And so what makes you, you and human design is a really interesting modality that's, that's out now. And I don't know if you are aware of it, but it's, it's fascinating and it will really help you understand your strengths your gifts what your potential purpose is in life and who you are and from that starting point you'll then be able to determine what does that mean? How does that impact your values and your goals and what you really want to achieve in life and where you're going? And so I do think that this retreat is going to be life-changing and they're going to be transformational workshops as well where you will really gain clarity on what thriving alcohol-free means to you. You'll be able to finally release those limiting beliefs and fears. You'll discover who you truly are and what you're capable of. You'll be able to anchor yourself by getting clear on your core values and what you stand for in life, and you'll learn how to manage and process emotions and step into your true power. And finally, you will really then be able to reset and determine what your goals are based on your core values and visualize and begin to embody what living in true freedom looks like for you. And there's going to be a number of experiences as well, including clarity breath work, river rafting, sound healing there'll be a trip to a cave waterfall and much more, plus daily yoga classes as well. So I really encourage you to, Go to the website, check it out, and see if this is something that could be for you. If it is, it would be wonderful for you to join. If you'd like to have a conversation with me and find out whether this is really this is something that you would like to do, and if it's the right thing for you, then you can also schedule a call. So I'm excited to hear from you, and I have to say I'm looking forward to meeting the incredible women that will be part of this intimate Luxe Retreat. Okay. So this week I have a wonderful guest on and it's a bit different because this guest, she's just completed her one year alcohol free anniversary and... It's always useful to hear what happens in the first year of being alcohol-free. And as she's just been through that experience, I thought it'd be wonderful to have her on. So I'm really pleased that Caitlin Mitchell is a, is the guest for today. So Caitlin, with Jessica Kanata, are the co-founders of EB Academics, a company that helps middle school ELA Teachers expertly support their students while achieving their own work-life balance. They co-host the popular podcast, Teaching Middle School ELA, and the YouTube channel, EB Academics for Middle School ELA Teachers, which offer advice and inspiration to educators. Together, they authored an Amazon number one best-selling book, the empowered ELA teacher. Caitlin holds a master's degree with a focus in curriculum development and secondary education. She has a wealth of experience in the field of education, having taught at the high school, middle school, and fifth grade levels for a total of nine years, and her dedication to teaching was recognised by the LAX Coastal Chamber of Commerce, who awarded her Teacher of the Year. Additionally, she serves on the Board of Directors for the Principled Entrepreneurship Institute at Marin Catholic High School. In recent years, she has established a culture within her company and community that centres on helping people to shift their mindset in order to grow and thrive within their careers. So that's Caitlin's official bio, but it's a really wonderful conversation. And the focus here is to talk about what it's like to be alcohol-free for one year. I do hope you enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, here's the conversation with Caitlin.
1: Hi, so welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Thrive Alcohol-Free Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Dupe. I'm excited to be here. Brilliant. Brilliant.
0: Well, I love the fact you've just celebrated one year alcohol free. So congratulations. I hope you did acknowledge and celebrate it because it's a massive deal. But I'd really love to hear your story and how you sort of got to the point where you stopped or you decided to take a break or stop drinking and then we can go from there. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: thank you. I appreciate that. And just to give you a kind of a, a background of, of of understanding of where I come from, When I celebrated my one year anniversary on December 30th of sobriety, I told my family and someone in my family was like, oh, are you gonna go down to AA and get your one year chip? And I was like, come on really and so that's just kind of the dynamic around alcohol that exists in my family it wasn't very much like congratulations we're so proud of you what a huge feat whatever it was very much an interesting comment Mm -hmm. in regards to to my sobriety so while yes a hundred percent I have support from a variety of family members there's still kind of this undercurrent within the culture of my family that not drinking is kind of weird like you have, why are you making that decision? You know we don't we don't have a problem. Why do you have a problem? So that was that was interesting. And just to give you kind of a a frame of reference for where I'm coming from when I'm sharing kind of my story. And it all actually started. There was a very specific conversation that I had with the owner of the a new gym in my local area. So a new gym opened in September of 2022, and I was so excited to have a place to go to with community and classes and strength training, weightlifting, all this stuff. You know, I was a high school athlete at a pretty high level and I missed that. And so to have this gym right down the street from me, I felt just so pulled to it. And I've been working out, you know, five, six days a week, really trying hard and wanting to see results. And I was talking to the owner and I was like, you know, I'm not seeing the results that I want to see. She goes, walk me through what you eat on any given day. And so I did. And I told her everything. I said, yeah, you know, I probably have a glass or two of wine a day. And she goes, oh, you can't do that anymore. (laughs) If you want to see the results, you can't do that anymore. It was so clear. There was no, oh, maybe you can have one a week or whatever. It was, you just can't drink anymore. And it was on December 30th of 2022 that she said that to me. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to see what happens for 30 days. It's dry January. And I'm just going to start today. So I didn't wait until going crazy on New Year's Eve, like I had in the past, you know, I've done dry January in the past. I was like, I'm just going to start today and, and see what happens. And it was interesting because after she said that to me, I started to have kind of this different mindset and this different perspective of myself for the year of 2023 that we're coming into. And I kept telling myself this question of, you know, be curious about your greatness be curious about your greatness, be curious about your greatness. So I had this kind of like undercurrent narrative in my brain of this question of being curious about my greatness while simultaneously moving into dry January. And I think it really kind of became this beautiful thing that that happened for me that I started to realize and tap into my greatness because I was not drinking, because I did not have alcohol playing a role in what was happening in my life. And I did those 30 days in January. I used an app called Reframe to help me. And, you know, the first couple of days, to be honest with you, were hard. Like it was such a habit. I drank at least a glass of wine or two glasses of wine every single day. Five o'clock rolls around, the glass of wine gets poured. Like it was just a part of my life, a part of my, my habitual routines. And so those first, I would say like seven, eight, nine days were pretty difficult. And because I had the Reframe app as I was going through each day, and it was kind of telling me what to expect. And it was also telling me what part of my body was healing on each day as I was going through it. It was kind of like, holy cow, I didn't realize just how bad this was for me, that I was doing this on a consistent basis. And so I got to day 30 and it was game over. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever experienced in my entire life let's go to a hundred days. I was like, let's just do a hundred days and see what happens. Because I'm still this narrative in my mind of be curious about your greatness, be curious about your greatness. And at the gym, I was noticing massive strides in my progress of building muscle, you know, body recomposition, being able to work out at like the level that I wanted to, as opposed to going and like not feeling that great. Cause I had two glasses of wine the night before. I didn't sleep that well. My anxiety was high, right? All of the other things that were happening as a result of drinking. And so I got to a hundred days and I just stopped counting. I was like, I don't foresee myself ever drinking again for the rest of my life. I'm not making some sort of like set in stone promise, but it just has no place in the peace that I've been able to discover over the last year that I have now in my life that I did not have when alcohol was a part of my life. So that's kind of my, my story, the, the origin story of, of being sober. Yeah.
0: That's that's amazing, incredible, and I love the fact that you kept asking yourself that question, you know, it's such a powerful question, and they always say, you know, if you sit in the question, you eventually get the answers. so I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear what's happened since, but before we go there, it's so interesting, there's such a stigma around sobriety, so if we go back to your family member saying you've done one year and you were probably buzzing and thinking oh my goodness I've done a year it's so fab I feel great I've got I'm at peace all the rest of it and then for them to say you're going to go and get your chip and have that assumption that you hit rock bottom and Mm -hmm. that you had an issue or whatever it was and not even ask the, the question or feel the need to be curious as you are how did that make you feel
1: You know, I think because of the work that I've been able to do on myself this year, I mean, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but because I've released alcohol from my life, there's just a level of like a spiritual awakening that I've been able to receive. And that's not going to be everybody's experience by any means, but that's mine and my journey. I was able to sit back and receive that comment from a place of, that means nothing about me and has everything to do with you. And, and that's what I started to find that was really interesting when I would be sharing my story with people. Yeah, I don't drink. You know, we'd be out to dinner. Do you want a, a beverage? I'm like, oh, I don't drink alcohol. What what mocktails do you have? And a friend will say, why don't you drink? You know, what's wrong? that's, that's not fun. What do you mean you don't drink? So all of these judgments around me. And what I realized is I was becoming a mirror for people who were also struggling with something, but didn't have maybe, or aren't in a place necessarily to acknowledge that, to be aware of that, to even want to recognize that because there is such a stigma around, Oh, well, you don't drink. You must be an alcoholic or you must be a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't think I was an alcoholic, but I certainly had a problem with alcohol in the way that it was impacting my life and the way that I was drinking one or two glasses of wine every single night in the way in which we'd go out to dinner on Friday or Saturday night. And it would be, you know, three drinks, or I'd one order another drink before we left for the night, you know? And so it had a a hold on me in a way that did not allow me to, to be free. Mm -hmm. And so when, when that family member said that to me, thankfully I'm in a position where I've been able to just say, you know, that really has nothing to do with me. And so it, it bothered me because I want the same for other people. But that's not my journey to have. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's it's a really important point because I think people can take that and react quite differently to the way you've just described. They could mm-hmm. feel pressure, they could feel like they want to prove that there wasn't an issue. And so actually, you know, I can have a drink, and then maybe they would, or they'll lash out at the person. But to your point, it, it all, any feedback, any sort of comments like that. Absolutely, says more about the person that's giving it than you, and so you always need to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. And the mirror point is is so true. It, 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 you are holding up a mirror to people who are potentially questioning their relationship with alcohol, but then go there. Maybe it's interesting because I'd be curious to to know as you've gone through the year. Have your friendships changed at all? Have the people that you would normally spend time with when you get together with certain people, how's that been? Because I think one of the reasons a lot of people don't decide they don't want to stop, even though they know deep down and they're getting that nudge maybe that it might be a good thing to do, the reason they don't want to stop is because they're so worried about other people and they're mm. potentially people pleasers, they feel like they'll be offending someone if they say they don't drink. And So how have you found that, that side?
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely a valid point, a valid concern. And I can see why people feel that way and have that kind of roadblock to whether or not they want to go on this journey. Thankfully, my husband, I, I very much lead the energy in my household. I'm an Enneagram eight. I am a challenger. I am intense. Like I'm not a people pleaser by any means at all. So I don't struggle with that. so i I don't necessarily know what that would feel like. But my husband kind of came on the journey with me, too. Oh, he did dry January with me. And then I think he drank maybe like 10 times throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And every time he realized, he's like, why am I doing this? This serves no purpose in my life. It's not making me a happier person. It's not bringing me any peace. It's not creating stronger friendships for me. So it was, it was interesting to kind of watch him have those moments throughout the year mm-hmm. while I was not. So it was, I got to kind of like live through his experience without having to go through it myself. So thankfully my partner who I live with and holds a huge space in my life is also sober. But what I found is I've actually been able to acquire much more meaningful, deeper relationships with fewer people. Mm -hmm. And I have probably now four very close friends in my life and all of them don't drink either. All of them are, you know, working on understanding. And this is like where the spiritual aspect of it comes in of understanding what's your purpose here in this life. Mm-hmm. And I think it was such a, an interesting timing for me too. You know, I, I always say like life happens for me and I really, truly believe that everything is, is happening for a greater purpose in my life. And throughout 2023, I had a significant amount of personal loss in my life and I'd never had anyone close to me die before. And I lost my grandmother in May. I lost a best friend from growing up in June to suicide. I lost a cousin shortly thereafter. I had a couple other people close to me pass away. And then we said goodbye to our one of our dogs who like, mm-hmm. for us dogs are our family, um, very quickly and shockingly at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that if I hadn't been sober that the experience of that loss would have been the same that it was Mm. from a place of sobriety. I was able to experience the loss of my grandma from a really interesting perspective of watching her move on to the next life of her body was just like a vessel of who she was. You know, when I saw her body after her passing, she wasn't there anymore. Mm. And because I had the kind of clarity of mind to like sit with that mm. and to be with that thought and experience that emotion and everything that I went through in a, in a true way mm. was such a gift. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that I got to experience that. Mm. So I, I know I went a little bit off on a tangent there, but the benefits of what I've received as a result of releasing alcohol from my life mm. versus the loss of some friendships far outweigh the, the ROI, the return on energy, the return on time, the return on happiness. Mm-hmm. When I look at the friendships that I had before that were great and wonderful and fun and nice. Mm-hmm. And the friendships that I have now so much more serve the who I'm becoming in this world mm-hmm. that it's okay to let go of those old friendships. It's okay to say goodbye. You know, one of our great mentors, James Wedmore has shared, you know, to to you've got to let go to let in. Mm-hmm. and what is possible what can you let in by being okay with letting go and whether that's letting go of friendships letting go of the hold that alcohol has on you and your life whatever it might be it's scary 100 mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. and for me my experience it's been totally worth it yeah
0: that's really nicely put and I, i'm so sorry to hear about all the grief and loss that Thank you had you. last year i think it's it's Yeah, regardless of being alcohol-free or not, it's hard to deal with. But to your point, I think you can manage your emotions a lot better and sitting them and not just use an external thing to numb them out. And Mm. I think so many people do use alcohol to numb out their emotions and to try and escape from those feelings of whatever they're going through. I do wonder, with emotions specifically... A lot of people think actually it numbs out negative emotions and I'd be curious to get your perspective, but what it actually does is it numbs out those positive emotions Mm. as well. So your sense of joy, your sense of fun, there's still that veil in a way that you're not fully able to appreciate those positive emotions as well as the negative ones. And, And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I really, truly have experienced that, and I don't think I realized that I have until you actually just said that. You know, I I go back to who I was before a year and a half ago, a year and a month ago even, and if someone had asked me like, what, what's your view of heaven or like your happiest moment ever, I would say a hot day in the Napa Valley with a glass of wine, wine tasting. Like that would be my answer. And it was my answer. Like that was one of my favorite things to do. And so I was so concerned that if I chose to not drink anymore, that I would be losing something that was really special to me, that I would be losing something that was a huge part of my identity My mom's nickname is Chardonnay (laughs) Sioux. My dad grew up in the Napa Valley. Like it's so much a part of our family. And I equated happiness, joy, fun, celebration with alcohol. Hmm. I also equated status with alcohol too. Hmm. You think about all these, you know, really nice wines that are super expensive and all of that stuff. Hmm. And it was just so interesting to me to start to experience the opposite of what I thought would happen. Mm-hmm. I thought I was losing something and I thought I was missing out on something. And what I came to realize, I would say probably around like day 90, maybe mm-hmm. of what I was actually gaining yeah. in letting go of alcohol. I, I before had so much anxiety all the time. I cannot tell you how often I would wake up at 3 a.m. and be awake for hours just thinking, just ruminating on thoughts, like bad thoughts, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like destructive, the world is going to end type of thoughts, you know, that that negative loop. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't get a good night's sleep. I'd be exhausted the next day, all this stuff. I sleep so well. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I cannot even explain it to you. My anxiety is significantly less I only get nervous now when I'm about to get on a plane, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's a whole other situation I got to deal with, but I can handle things. And as a business owner, as a a leader of a team, we have 16 employees on our team. Mm -hmm. I've gotta be able to handle things. Mm -hmm. I've gotta be able to handle difficult conversations, difficult decisions. I've gotta be clarity of mind. I have to be in a place where I'm not emotionally attached to outcomes. And so to have so much more control over how I'm handling and processing my emotions has been like a game changer for me as a business owner, as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a person, the level of inner peace that I have now, because to your point, when that person in my family said that to me about, are you going to go get your chip to celebrate? I didn't react. Yeah. The old me would have lost my mind. I have a very explosive, angry personality sometimes. And that just doesn't come up anymore mm. in the way that it used to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Prior to stopping drinking, did you know, what were your thoughts on alcohol? What did you think alcohol was giving you?
1: You know, I don't know that I really knew much about it, to yeah. be honest with you. The research behind it. I mean, I knew that it wasn't, great for you. But I thought that was because of like the sugar, but then I'd also received information from places of, well, one glass of wine a night is good for you because of the Mediterranean diet and your heart and all this stuff. And so you find research that supports whatever you believe, right? And you just believe it because it supports your belief. And I don't think I really knew the extent to which it was causing harm to me. The only thing I really saw it as a negative for was it wasn't helping me reach my fitness goals. That was kind of the only thing that I was like, well, if I didn't do this, I would probably be in better shape or like look like how I wanted to working out hard. But that's about it, to be honest with you. I didn't really have a whole lot more information that would have been beneficial to me that I think a lot of people don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing. And it's you hear what you want to hear, don't you? And we look for things to agree with whatever we believe, as you say. Mm -hmm. So, and we run mainly on our subconscious, unconscious mind, and so everything is habit-driven. You know, ninety percent of it is just what we would do without really questioning it. Mm -hmm. It's just because you mentioned the anxiety and the sleep, and again, alcohol exacerbates anxiety, stress, depression it just completely messes up your REM sleep cycles, which is where you get that deep sleep and sense of rest. And so it's they're just normal things that people just don't know. They just think, I literally oh, wow. had no
1: idea. Yeah. I was like, well, I just wake up at 3 a.m. every day and have just anxious normal. thoughts, that's just me, <laughs> exactly. I have anxiety. Yeah. And then I'm doing the reframe app and it was like, I don't know, day seven or nine or something and it was like, do you find yourself waking up at 3 a.m. for hours on end? I was like, what? <laughs> Why did I not know this information? I'm like, yes, that is me. And I, you know, so many people in my life that I have shared, it's actually very interesting. I share my story with a lot of people and they're like, oh, I want to give up alcohol too. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm experienced. I'm like, yeah, all of that goes away when you stop drinking, you know? And they're like, <laughs> so oh, but I just don't know if I could or whatever. So again, it's not my journey to have for them, but I think it is interesting to get to share with people like my actual physical experiences as a result of not drinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're right. There's the physical experiences as well as the emotional and mental and all the other wonderful experiences that you get from it as well. And I just wanted to go back to the identity piece because I do think a core piece for people, again, for not wanting to take a break or really even go there when it comes to stopping drinking is they have a whole identity that surrounds it. So mm-hmm. you said your mum was called Chardonnay Sue. You know, people see themselves as the Prosecco Queen. Other people see themselves as the Gin and Tonic person, and, and that is who they are. And they, and people know them for hosting the parties and always having the best cocktails or the the wines or whatever. And the status piece that you talked mm-hmm. about. And I wonder, did you have that identity before? You stopped. You talked about loving the vineyards and living in Napa Valley and just having wine. So, did you feel like you had an identity? How's that identity shifted over the past year? Did you let it go quite easily, or or
1: not? Yeah, I mean, I that certainly was a huge part of my identity. I mean, I identified as a wine lover. You know, yeah, we are in wine clubs in Napa. We go wine tasting on the weekend, like not cocktails, really. It's was it's red wine was a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And before I became an entrepreneur and a business owner, I was a teacher for a long time. And, you know, we always got gifts of wine and we would get fun wine glasses that say, I teach, therefore I drink. And so it's, it was like, because you work so hard at school, you got to come home and drink. Same thing with like, I don't know if this is an experience for you guys in the UK, but there's this whole mommy wine culture yeah. that yeah. exists it's in the US true. that mm-hmm. being a mom is so hard. You deserve this. And I just remember I got to a point at some point where I was like, I deserve this. Is that really what I deserve to feel terrible the next day to wake up in the middle of the night? Why is that? Why? And and look, I have zero judgment on other people for what they're choosing to do and their lives and their journey with alcohol and sobriety or whatever anyone's choosing to do. That is zero judgment on anyone for anything. Mm-hmm. But for me in my experience, when I had a kind of come to Jesus moment with myself of, Really? That is what you deserve after a long day with your kid. That's what you're choosing to give yourself. Why would I not give myself something that's actually going to serve me in my life in a positive way? Yeah. You know, and it's what we see here, you know, these messages all the time. I don't know what your commercials are allowed to air in the UK, but the commercials here in the US, I watch them now. I'm like, how is that legal? I'm like, that should be totally against the law to air something like that. You know, I think back to what cigarettes and smoking used to be like in the U S which it's not anymore. Alcohol seems to be doing the same thing as I watch it from this perspective and this kind of side of the street. So yeah, I absolutely had an identity piece with alcohol, with red wine specifically. And that I think was kind of one of the roadblocks for me in my journey of sobriety was like, how was I going to choose to identify now? Yeah. What was the identity that I was going to take on? Because I didn't really feel like I was an alcoholic, you know, but I also didn't feel like I couldn't not drink. I didn't feel like I could just drink on the weekends, you know, like some people are every now and then like that, that wasn't me. I would try to reason with myself of I'll just drink on Friday and Saturday. Well, that didn't work. Or I'll just drink on special occasions. Well, that didn't work. And so what I noticed is I didn't like feeling controlled by this thing, Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I went to do dry January and I'm reading through the reframe app, it's talking about, you know, sober conscious or sober curious or like these other forms of identity that feel less threatening and judgmental than alcoholic, Mm -hmm. which like also, why do we have such judgment around that term alcoholic? Mm -hmm. We should not at all. I think that's a terrible thing and actually pushes people away from the journey to sobriety. Mm -hmm. But I kind of landed on this place of, and I don't drink. That's kind of, and that's the language that I use. And even sometimes still now saying I'm sober, I have a judgment about the way in which I say that, right? And I'm like, what is that about? (laughs) You know, trying to uncover my judgment around that. And what do I care what other people think of me if I say that? And why do I associate alcoholic with anything negative? Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that is very an interesting question. I think I'm sure a lot of people struggle with is this like, shift in identity and how you're going to choose to identify going forward. And for me right now, I'm at a place in my journey where I just identify as someone who I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. Mm. And that's the language that I feel comfortable with right now. And who knows in 10 years, it might be something different.
0: It's really interesting because we talk about the stigma of sobriety and thinking that people that don't drink alcoholics but there's a stigma within the alcohol-free world as well <laughs> so there are people that have stopped drinking and then maybe call themselves alcohol-free that's how I I describe myself I say I'm alcohol-free but there are people that then say I wasn't that bad you know I wasn't like that person right. just to sort of justify themselves so we created a stigma within the alcohol-free world which is just ridiculous we totally. need to just let it go. And I think that's part of the messaging, though, because when you hear the word alcoholic, you automatically think someone on a park bench drinking out of a paper bag. And the truth is, alcohol is an addictive substance. Yeah. So regardless of where you are, how much money you earn or don't earn, which background you come from, whatever it is, it's the alcohol that's addictive, which then causes Mm -hmm. all of it. And Mm -hmm. so we really should let go of this stigma across the board. But it's, it's again, I think it's just triggering for people and it's a mirror for people. And so people don't want to feel that they had such a major problem or whatever. And so then resist in so many ways and then it gets worse because the more you drink the more addicted you become and the years go by and it's a vicious cycle really and so I'm really pleased you brought that up because I think it's a really important thing to to mention Um, but regardless of what you call yourself it doesn't matter it's just about taking the step if you think your life can be better in some way physically emotionally spiritually in whatever way by not drinking then just take a break and don't worry about what you call it. Don't worry about what other people think. Just do it and see what happens. You did it for thirty days, and then you thought I'm going to get to ninety days, and then you really saw the, you saw everything, and that was it for you. And so, it's a message that I keep banging on about. But I think I do think the whole wording and what we call ourselves and what we don't call ourselves stops people as well. So we need to just. Try and let it go and just Mm -hmm. go with whatever you're comfortable with. And you're comfortable with, I don't drink. That's perfect. Done. Move on.
1: Exactly. Well, it's a whole, it's an ego thing. It is. You know, it's an ego thing. Not like ego, like I have an ego, but ego, like I have an identity and an ego that I need to protect from what people think about me, all of that stuff. So ultimately, it would be at a place where, like, who cares? You know? but I think a lot of people can't get there. It's hard, it's it's difficult. And that's the thing, my son struggled with anxiety for a while and my husband and I went to a therapy class for us as parents to help him handle his anxiety. So he didn't even go to therapy at all. It was just my husband and me that shifted how we operated in the household and it shifted his anxiety, which was fascinating. He changed because we changed, right? Wow. But one of the things that the therapist said to us that I will never forget that's had a huge impact on my life is yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. and you hundred percent can do it. Yeah. And I think most of us human nature don't want to do the hard thing. Mm-hmm. We just don't. And for me, it was very much again, from a place of being curious about my greatness. It was being pulled into something bigger than me, than the pain pushing me forward. Right. So It was very much like, yeah, it's hard and I can do it. And I'm going to do it because I want to see what I'm capable of without this thing holding me back. So like what other vices can I get rid of in my life that aren't serving me? Mm -hmm. Right. I went and spoke at So I'm on the board for the principled entrepreneurship Institute at one of my local high schools. And so I go speak to a group of young entrepreneurs a couple of times a year. And one of the kids stayed afterwards. It was talking to me and about my success and my business, all this stuff. He's like, what's your secret? And I was like, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I take care of my body. I work out every day, right? I do these things that for me in my mind, I believe high performers do. And so if I want to be a high performer, drinking is not going to be a part of that Mm. it's just not so that is an an identity piece too that i've taken on is i'm a high performer and a high performer identifies as somebody who does not do these things and who does do these things i read every day i go to bed typically at 9 30 i wake up early at 5 a.m even when i don't want to i Mm. tell myself get up dress up show up i take my covers off i'm out of bed that was not me a year ago
0: yeah that's amazing yeah. I mean, in a year to have fundamentally shifted your identity is incredible. And would you say, you've you mentioned spiritual awakening and spirituality a couple of times. Do you think that's what shifted it? That whole higher purpose? Or what do you think shifted it?
1: I think it was a lot of different things that happened mm-hmm. simultaneously. You know, life happens for you. And I, I, I look at the people in my life. And I'm like, dude, Can you believe that this happened at this time for this? Like it all just happens for a reason. Within the past, I'd say like four or five months has my, my spirituality deepened more. I grew up Catholic, so I was very resistant to religion. I still am very resistant to religion, but I identify as spiritual. I believe in some sort of higher being. And at the beginning, it wasn't about that at all. At the beginning it was like i'm gonna i'm gonna beat everybody i'm gonna beat the competition i'm gonna crush it like very much like the masculine go get them energy right which i think there's a, a time and place for that there a hundred percent is but our mentor james wedmore when i was moving into his mastermind he said i wonder what it would be like if you tapped into some like feminine receiving energy as opposed to the masculine like go get them energy And I was like, fine, let's see what happens. So I made receive my word for 2023. So in everything that I did, I was constantly saying to myself, receive this. Someone gives me a compliment. I use the word. I receive that. Thank you. If I'm in pain at the gym physically because it hurts like hell and I'm pushing a super heavy weight, I'm like, receive the pain as opposed to pushing through the pain, I say, receive the pain. So I totally started to change the inner dialogue that a narrative that I was creating for myself in my life of operating from a harmonious world where both the feminine and the masculine existed together, where both the go get them attitude and get up and do this at this time where that exists. And so does the spiritual aspect of it, the being pulled to a higher purpose. And so I started here with the masculine, let's go get them. And I'm going to work on receive a little bit at the same time. But then when my grandma died, it really was very much like a, a, I don't know, like a shaking of me. It was so clear to me that this whole thing is not about me, my existence here. This is like, again, very spiritual and existential, but that's how, what I started to feel like if my grandmother was not in her body anymore and she that was just a vessel, well, so is true for me. And this body is just a vessel of a message that might impact somebody else's life in an incredibly positive way. And so that was really the catalyst of change of, well, what what am I meant to be doing here? know what is my purpose and then i started for me i started to see signs from the universe everywhere that i couldn't unsee i'm like okay like i get it i understand like i'm going down the path universe like i don't need any more kicks like i got it and then just in the last couple of months it's become even more so true so it, it was interesting the way in which the journey unfolded but to sit in a place of gratitude for all of the things that happened this year to be thankful that my grandmother passed, to be thankful that I held my dog in my arms when we had to put him down, to be thankful for those moments Mm -hmm. is such a place of peace as opposed to being mad or frustrated. You know, it's not to say that I'm not sad or that I'm living from a place of toxic positivity. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. I'm just choosing to view everything as it's It's all a part of this experience that we're all here to have. And I would not have had the gift of that if I was drinking alcohol, period.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. And not many people can say they can do that because generally the reaction of people is based on the fact that they are drinking and that's Mm -hmm. their coping mechanism. And so then they'll react very differently. But how you've just described it, it feels like it makes it a little bit easier to to take and Mm -hmm. and actually to be grateful and gratitude is so powerful to be grateful for those experiences and reframing it in that way has probably helped you grieve so much quicker Mm -hmm. and to your point it's not that you're toxically positive or anything like that it's just the reality of you've been able to really live into those emotions, process those emotions in a positive way that has allowed you to come to the other side where you're at peace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the best thing that could have happened for you last year. Absolutely. Um, Because I think someone else who would have had the same experience would, if they're drinking, it would be a very different conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I had been drinking last year, a hundred percent it would have been a different experience. You know, I think people always ask me like, oh, what's it been like to not drink? And my response every single time is it is the greatest gift I have ever given to myself in my life. And I wish it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's the
0: greatest gift. I think that's absolutely, (laughs) absolutely true. We want everyone to do it. It's, it's the best kept secret as well. So I think that's fantastic. So if the person listening to this is inspired I hope they are because you're you're very inspiring Caitlin and is thinking okay this time next year I could have done a year alcohol free what tips would you give them to keep going to the 90 days because you know I truly believe as well that I took a 21 day break and then it was really the 90 100 day mark where I saw huge shifts Mm -hmm. and so I now coach on that and encourage people to Do a kickstart with me of a 21 day challenge, but then do the 90 days, 100 days. That's where you and I have a program for that. But that's where you really see the benefits. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if someone's thinking about it, they're finally at that point where they've listened to you now and they've heard this amazing story and they want to take a break. What three tips would you maybe give them to get to those 90 days?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I'll just say, like, I wouldn't even have 90 days in my head because if I had 90 days in my head when I started it, I probably would not have done it because that would have felt impossible to me. Yeah. yeah, to be totally honest with you. So my biggest tip is I started with with dry January because it was 30 days and I knew other people were probably gonna be doing it with me too. Mm. And so to have someone with you who's gonna hold you accountable, who's gonna hold you true to your word, right? Well, we all have those friends who are like, Oh, but it's fine. You made it to 24 days. No big deal. You can have a glass, right? Don't surround yourself with those people for the 30 days that you're going to set out to start. Surround yourself with the person who's like, no, dude, like you said that you were going to do 30 days. Like you got to stick to your word. And so I have, I'm very lucky that I have those people in my life who are helping to do that for me or who did in the beginning. The other thing that I would say, at least for me, that was really powerful was starting to understand what was healing in my body on a daily basis by not drinking. Mm-hmm. That was a freaking wake up call. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know how bad alcohol was at all. And I know there are studies here or studies there, like I said, that will support whatever you want to believe. Mm-hmm. But if you want to believe that alcohol and an alcohol-free life is going to give you happiness and peace, then find the studies that are going to support that so probably with your help and your book. And there are all kinds of programs that do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would find something for me, at least like that as a, from the logical part of my brain, mm-hmm. like I'm going to need that like logical understanding of what's actually going on for me. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece, which I think is the hardest piece, but again, it's hard and you hundred percent can do it is the beliefs that you have about yourself and what's possible all stem from the thoughts that you tell yourself, right? Beliefs are just thoughts repeated over and over and over again. That's why everybody has different beliefs about everything because we all have our own unique thoughts. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is we are in control of our thoughts. So when we can start to be conscious of the things in which we are telling ourselves on a daily basis about who we are, about how we operate in the world, about our identity, about what's possible for us or whatever it is, once you start to realize what you're saying, right? That's the first step is at least catching it. Like, oh shit, I shouldn't, I don't want to be saying that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we got to remove that thought from our brains and we want to replace it with something that's more empowering. So if you're like, I want that glass of wine, how could you be like, oh, no, I don't. Hold on. That's an interesting thought that I'm having. Hmm. I don't want to have that thought. Let's have something different. That's more empowering. Wow. Releasing alcohol from my life is serving the future me so much better than I could ever imagine or whatever it is that you want to say. Right. And so I constantly, I know like the power of positive affirmations, people are gonna be like, oh, that's so silly. It's it works. Like, sorry, it does. It's a thing. And I just tell myself all the time, you've got this, you are strong, you are capable. I'm just consistently telling myself these thoughts that I want to make beliefs about who I am in this world. And so if you can, that's again, I think the hardest part because it's the like, you're like, Well, does that really work? And if you believe that it works gonna work for you you know is doing that is like retraining your brain to think and operate differently so that you can have different beliefs about what's possible for you in your life that's key
0: yeah and, and it's so true and I think people really underestimate what their thoughts are doing for their their lives. It's it's it sounds so easy when you say it, doesn't yes. it? It sounds so <laughs>
1: yes. just change simple. your thoughts. Just, simple, right? <laughs> <yeah>. Simple, <laughs> simple exactly. but not easy. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Just change the your thing. Be fine. Like yeah. that's the thing. You know, I work with entrepreneurs. I work with CEOs and business owners, and I work with all these people. They're like, "What's the secret?" I'm like, "Your belief about what's possible." Like we all have the same strategies, we all have the same tactics, we all have the same things at our disposal. Mm. What's different between those who do and those who don't? Those who do simply believe and don't stop?
0: Yeah, agreed. Mm. Yeah, so good, so good, Kate. so i'm I'm curious now that if we go back to the start, we'll we're coming towards the end of the of the the episode. Be curious about your greatness. What did that teach you? at the end of the year because that's what you went in
1: yeah that's that's a great question I love it no one's asked me that um man what is that honestly that I can handle anything Mm -hmm. and that anything is possible I really truly believe that at the end of this year I mean anything that I want to do with my life is possible and that I am 100% capable of it because I can handle anything that comes my way
0: That's amazing. Okay. So I'm not even commenting on that. That was just brilliant. <laughs> the um, so we end every episode with asking, what does thriving alcohol-free mean to you? So I'd love your
1: answer. Yeah. The first word that came to my mind was peace. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Anything else you want to leave the listener with?
1: If anyone ever just wants to reach out to me, you guys are more than welcome to. I'm sure, Dupe, you can leave my Instagram in the comment section, but it's Caitlin D. Mitchell on Instagram. And feel free to reach out and ask me questions. I'm happy to share my journey in more depth with you. Anytime I post about it on Instagram, I have so many people ask me, like, oh, well, can you, like... And I just know that there are so many people that want to do it too. So if there's anything that I can say that can help you, like, please feel free to use me as a resource. It's not my specialty, but I'm happy to share my journey with you in any deeper capacity that can serve you guys. And if this does impact you, like, please let me know, because at the end of the day, I'm sure for you too, dupe. like, that's what it's all about is the impact that we get to have on other people's lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much. And thank you for that generous offer as well. I'm sure people will be in touch. So thank you for being such a wonderful guest, such an inspiring guest. And no doubt we'll keep in touch and maybe we'll have you on at your two years or your three years and you can tell absolutely. us where you have got to then. Oh,
1: I can't even imagine. It's going to be amazing.
0: <laughs> it just gets better and better. Absolutely. For
1: sure. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. You are just wonderful and such a gift to this world. Thank you.
0: Bless you. Thank you so much. Take care.
1: Well, thank you,
0: Caitlin. What an amazing conversation. And I loved the question. And I hope you all sit in that question about being curious about your greatness and really think about what does that mean to you? It was so interesting to talk about identity and spirituality and purpose, and then also how you deal with grief. And so I appreciate, Caitlin, for sharing so vulnerably and for just sharing what a- The first year of being alcohol-free could look like. So I do hope that's inspired you in some way and helped you to maybe take at least that 21-day break or the 30-day break. If taking a break is something you're thinking about doing and you'd like to do 21 days to start off, then I'd encourage you to join the next 21 Day Thrive Alcohol-Free Kickstart, which begins on Tuesday, the 5th of March. And by the end of it, you will have gained a clear understanding on the impact of alcohol and how it affects your daily life and how you can break that cycle. You'll also learn how to beat the cravings when it comes to wine o'clock or whenever you normally have a drink. And then you'll learn tools to help you navigate alcohol free first as well as practical tools and tips to help you enjoy taking a 21 day break from alcohol and it will really give you that time to give yourself permission to explore whether being alcohol free is something you want to do longer term so the 21 day thrive alcohol free kickstart is a combination of one-to-one coaching and group coaching. So with the one-to-one coaching session, that's really there for self-reflection and understanding where you are with alcohol. And then there are three live group coaching sessions to learn tools to make not only not drinking feel easy and enjoyable, but to also give you the opportunity to ask questions and be coached on something that might have come up during the week. And then you'll also receive daily inspiration with tips and journal prompts and motivational quotes to keep you going and really to keep what you're doing at the front of your mind and reflect on the kickstart journey as you go. There's community support as well, so you'll have the opportunity to hear about hear how others are going, going through this and what the challenges they may be facing, but also to hold each other accountable. And then you'll get a copy of my book, A Cocktail of Clarity, to really delve further into an, what an alcohol-free lifestyle is. And you'll get practical goodies, including a 21-day journal. You'll also get podcast and Quitlet recommendations. And then finally, we'll have a bonus celebration group session where you'll be able to reflect and celebrate on the 21 days and think about what you want to do next. So if that's something that's of interest, feel free to go to the 21-day Kickstart page, which is thrivealcoholfree.com forward slash 21 day kickstart, and I look forward to seeing you in March. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. I do hope you found this episode useful, or at least it gave you food for thought. And maybe, who knows, you might have now decided it's time to take a bit of a break. And if so, I um, am rooting for you and I'd love to hear from you. uh, If you'd like to ask any questions or if there's anything that you would like to hear on this podcast, feel free to get in touch. And other than that, I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Thrive Alcohol Free podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you get alerted every time I drop a new episode. I'd love it if you could rate, review and share this episode. Feel free to tag me on Instagram at Thrive Alcohol Free and follow me for daily tips. If you'd like to work with me, I offer one-to-one coaching sessions and have my signature group coaching program. If you're not yet ready for coaching, I also have a self-paced online course, which is a companion to my book, A Cocktail of Clarity. All the links are in the show notes. I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful week. Take care.